What's going on, everybody? Welcome in to episode eight of Lobbing Scorchers. This is Ari Lillianwall. I've got producer Noah here with me. Noah, say what's up to the people. Man, what's up? I don't know. This is going to be an exciting episode. I'm actually, this oh, is going to be my, probably my favorite episode we're gonna we've done so far. We're going to be laying down some heat today. We're going to be talking about some Seattle Sounders, and we've got an enthralling one for you today. Like this this one was a barn burner. <laughs> zero, zero. Vamos. Zero, zero at Lumen Field against Orlando City SC. 90 minutes. Two periods of stoppage time. Zero goals. Zero. Zero. Unfortunately, this is the second zero, zero draw we've had to break down here. And it's never ideal when that happens. Ideally, you want at least one goal to break down. You know, I don't even care whether it's for Seattle or against Seattle. <laughs> I would just take any goal to talk about. But unfortunately, no goals were scored. And as such, we've got to break down another 0-0. Zero, zero. So unfortunate, but it is what it is. We don't shy away from whatever the result was. We tackle it head on, even if it was 0-0. Zero, zero. There's a common misconception, I think, among non-soccer fans about a 0-0 zero, zero draw, which is that if a game ends 0-0, zero, zero, that automatically means it was a boring game just or a bad game just because no one scored. Not necessarily true. Sometimes a 0-0 zero, zero can be wildly entertaining. I've seen a lot of 0-0s zero, where it's nonstop action and it's just as enthralling as a 4-3. I would not categorize this as one of those occasions. This wasn't a terribly boring 0-0. Zero, zero. There was a little bit of XG flying around. Not a lot, but a little bit. But there was some. It, it wasn't a gouge your eyes out type bad 0-0. Zero, zero. But what we're going to do is I'm just going to lay down my, my opening reaction monologue, initial takeaways. And then we're going to hit some questions from you all, the people put out a tweet today asking if anybody had questions or concerns they wanted me to talk about regarding this team and several of you submitted so uh i'll hit those questions uh i'll get to as many of those as i can thank you to everyone who submitted i appreciate that and uh we'll shout you out when uh we get to your question heck yeah Seattle lined up this game with the exact starting 11 they did uh, on Wednesday at LAFC with one change, which was Eber for Raul Rui Diaz. Other than that, it was the same 11. Albert Rusnak at the 10. Nico Ladero at right mid, but really more of as a, a dual 10. Leo Chu on the other wing. JP and Obed as the CDMs. And then Cody Baker, Jackson Reagan, Yamar Nuhu at the back. So the thing I was looking for from this lineup compared to the LAFC game was, can they score a goal with this? That's the main thing I was looking at. LAFC was the first time they ran this in a game, and they didn't score a goal. But when you're trying out new tactics, the first time you try it in a game can be pretty rough. You can grind it in training all you want, but once it's game day, it's different, and it's to be expected to an extent that there will be an acclimation period and some growing pains when you have players playing out of position and you're rotating the lineup. So I, I was looking to see if there was growth from the last game is basically what I'm saying. Uh, and the answer to that question turned out to be no, they, they did not score a goal with this lineup. And, you know, I don't really know how much there is to break down about this 0-0. This game was defined in 
two moments. There was two clear-cut, no doubt about it, chances in this game, one for each team. Seattle's came early. It was just a few minutes after kickoff. Nico Ladero had a rip inside the box, absolutely blasted the crossbar. Smoked that thing. He, he smoked that thing. And the way the rest of this game turned out, Seattle just ne- they needed that to go in. They've been in a poor run of form, down on their luck, missing a lot of players. If that goes in, that could have been a vibe salvager. You know, early, Absolutely. early goal, you get on top at home. Seattle was playing well after kick, I thought. They started on the front foot, but unfortunately, it clangs woodwork, and Seattle didn't really come all that close to scoring the rest of the game. They actually did have one before the Nico chance when Rusnak put Bear through. He's running onto it from a tough angle, puts it wide. They might have had some half chances here and there after that, but there was nothing like the Nico chance. Orlando's came near the end of the second half, and really, Seattle was lucky to not lose this game because Mauricio Pereira had an open netter off a rebound really late in the game, and my guy sent it into orbit. That thing that thing is still in ascent, actually. That ball is in a galaxy that mankind will never have the technology to discover, and that really should have been a goal. So Seattle dodged a bullet there for sure, but... I think ultimately it's not like Orlando can feel that hard done because the one that Ladero put off the post, that's a goal a lot of the time too. They got lucky on that one. So this could have been a 1-1, but ultimately a draw was a fair result. There is not really that much differentiating these two teams in this game, and a point of peace was more than fair. That's what they both deserved. You could say it was a mid-off. Mid-off? A mid-off. Like... They're oh, both mid. Oh, I see. A mid-off. Uh, yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's actually a fair way to put it now that I know what you're talking about. Yeah. yeah. We got to um, hook them up with the Zoomer humor, yeah. you know? <laughs> um, the question Seattle is dealing with right now is a question that a lot of MLS clubs have to face, and they're facing it right now, which is, you know, when you're down some guys, which they are right now, how do we get a rotated lineup functioning on offense? The absences in this game are just tough. I know I sound like a broken record, uh, but when you're talking about Raul Rui Diaz, Christian Roldan, Jordan Morris, and Alex Roldan, that's four of the most important players on the entire team to how Seattle plays, you could argue. And with that in mind, I can see the logic with this lineup that they've been running out. The Albert Rusnak at the 10 thing is now three games in. I thought that was a temporary thing, but as it stands right now, that seems to be what they're rolling with. And I think that's a good idea. That's necessary. You need to assess whether Rusnak is the long-term answer at that position. We talked about it on the last show, but he's shown those attributes in his career in MLS. Anyone who wants to say that Albert Rusnak is just a categorically bad player, just go look at his numbers and his highlights from when he played at RSL. He has not been playing that position on this team. They dropped him back a line, which is not his natural position. Um, But I think what's happening is people are just looking at the stat sheet without taking into account that he's been playing out of position. So I think it's good to see him play his natural position. I want to see that over a legitimate sample. And then I'll assess my take on that. But for now, I think that's the right move by Schmetz. You got nothing to lose and you need to see if he's the answer there. So I think that's fine. Good, actually. 
As for Ladero at right mid, you know, it hasn't been working, but I also see the logic. All it is is just getting all your best players on the field, kind of regardless of position. I think our friend Mark Kastner said that on the last show, but that's what it is. It's, uh, it's a tough spot with personnel right now, just is. There's not a lot of options. You know, I got a lot of questions about the roster build that I think are fair, but the reality is some of this is just life in MLS, salary-capped league. You know, everyone would love to be two and three deep at every position, and some teams are able to pull that off. Um, you can go through history and find instances of teams that have that type of crazy depth, but those are the exceptions, not the rule. Situations like this are common. Seattle's not unique in this. You, you've seen actually teams all over MLS in over these last few weeks, whether it be injuries or national team duty, that you there's just been some wonky lineups. There's a lot of a lot of different stuff going on. So, uh, reality of this situation is that when you get guys injured or uh, they go on international duty, you're going to see uh, lineups like this because the roster rules just don't really lend themselves to being two to three deep at every spot. That being said, these lineups Seattle has been putting out are not that outlandish, you know, compared to some of the situations I've seen in the past. Bear was a guy who was brought in as a proven MLS goal scorer. Nico's not a right mid by trade, but he drifts around all the time anyway, even when he's lined up central. So there's an, an element of it where they should be creating more in attack than this, even with this personnel. It's not the most outlandish 11 I've ever seen. Far from it. Either way, they've run this lineup twice now, haven't scored a goal yet. So I don't really know what to say about the attack at this point other than we'll just have to see if they grind it more in training. Guys get more used to it and comfortable in their roles and figure out what type of stuff works after watching the film and see if they can get this personnel to a point where they're generating more on offense. But I'm not going to lie to you all. This might be like pulling teeth for a little while. Christian and Jordan are going to be gone for a bit. Alex is also at the Gold Cup with El Salvador. You know, he might be back sooner, but he's going to be gone for a bit. Raul's dealing with stuff that takes super obvious priority over the game right now. So for this Houston game coming up next weekend, for example, we'll preview that in depth on the next show. But I'll be honest, like, I don't know if I see a scenario where they're, they're scoring multiple goals. The scenario would be if they have a breakthrough in training and from watching the film and figure something out that allows them to be more multifaceted in attack where it's not just Leo Chu bombing down the left and firing in crosses and they manage to snap out of this funk. That could happen. Uh, but really I think all it is right now is just putting out the best lineup that you have, which I think is what Schmetz is doing to be fair. Like when I saw the Nico at right mid thing, uh, that wasn't what I predicted, but after I saw that that's what they were running, I think that is that is how they should be lining it up. Uh, and you just have to hope it improves from there in attack. I don't know if there's like a magic magic recipe or uh, change you can make to the starting 11 or formation tweak. You know, if there was something like that, if I knew what the recipe was, I would tell you all, but I honestly don't know. Um the defense was good in this game. 10 clean sheets on the season in 20 games. I thought Nuhu had a monster game. Uh, 
This was one of the better New Who games. He was locking it down. I think everyone could see who was watching the game that knew who knew who was balling out. Yamar and Jackson Reagan in the middle were good. Cody Baker continues to look good. I'm still impressed with him. So no real down marks defensively. Orlando had the one chance, but that was pretty much it. I don't I didn't think they looked like Real Madrid out there or anything. Keeping clean sheets is absolutely pivotal for this team right now with the offense producing. They got to keep it to zero, uh, so that's good. But, uh, you know, no, unless you have anything that you think I missed, I think we can move on to these questions. Um, I mean... It's, it's another zero-zero, so I just don't really know... Uh, it was How much a, there yeah. is, to be honest. I don't think there's a lot to dissect here. Um, I think there's a lot of people that are frustrated with the way that things played out. I think that um, that's fair, considering the run of form. But I'm going to be honest. I was there. I was at the game. I watched it. I left. I was disappointed. I'm not going to lie. Head in, head in my hands on that light rail home. But I rewatched the game, and... That Nico chance is just unlucky. That's a beautiful ball. There were some great opportunities where Rusnak and Bear were having really good play together. Um, and, I mean, yeah, like, it's another game where no one's scoring and it's the continued problems, but I just, like, it's hard because they don't even look like a bad team. Maybe no, I'm play, crazy. Well, no, I think it's it's kind of the, a similar thing to what happened after CCL last year, which is that the results weren't good. But it's not like they were ever getting blown out or getting boat raced off the field right. in any of those games. They were competitive. They were playing every game straight up. They just weren't getting results. And it does feel similar. But, I mean, you know, you mentioned that Nico chance. I thought for the first, I don't know if it was fully 10 minutes, but... Right after kick, I, th- I was thinking actually like okay like they act- they look like they're gonna score, yeah. like he he rings that off the post. Uh, there was the one from Rusnak to Abear, like I I I was pretty sure they were gonna get a goal in the game even after Nico put it off the post. And then as the game got more into it, uh, it, it faded. I would say yeah, I could tell that there was some mental mental fragility if you could I don't know if that's a good word to use either but it just seemed like as the game drug on it was just like back in your own head again a bear with his hands in his his, his head in his hands again and I, w- I was gonna say like I I it's in their heads yeah it's in their heads because even in the sequences where they are having good attacking movements and they do look like they're gonna score on offense they're they're not putting the goals away and I think it's it's for sure in their head. And I think, you know, I think I think multiple players and Schmetz have even mentioned this. It's like uh you got guys like trying to do too much. Yeah. I think Nico, you know, he wants so bad for the team to succeed and to be scoring goals that you know, and he's he's playing a little out of position. He's 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 trying to do too much. He's trying to do too much. And it's not just him. I think there's there's multiple guys that you could say that about. Um, so, yeah, I think that's a good point. You want to jump into these questions now? To yeah. Address the... Uh, Absolutely. Address the people? First question, Ari. Yeah. And this one's a big one from me personally. 
Where's the lineup? Why oh, is it okay. not out yet? Yeah, I'm glad you worked that one in there. You can <laughs> you can always uh, get that one in in the live sounders mentions if you want. That's uh, a time honored bit. So that's <laughs> sprung that one on me. Sprung that one on you, but but for real here, um, I saw a couple of people, and I'm just I'm not even gonna, I don't have their ads here, but this is one that I remembered was is Smetzer on the hot seat at all? Is there any kind of fire under his ass? <laughs> yeah, no, I saw a couple of those. It made me giggle. No, he's not. He's not on the hot seat. The only the only uh, way Schmetz would be on the hot seat is if they had the full team together, healthy, and all the first choice guys were here and playing. And then the run of results still looked like this. But like you really you can't put your coach on the hot seat in MLS every single time your team has a bad run of form when you have a bunch of absences. Because if you did that, then you would be just churning through coaches like a madman. Like you have to take into account the context of it with that. Um, so, and I, I, you know, personally, I don't really see, I see the issues more as person personnel over coaching. Mm-hmm. Um, so, no, don't like I said. The only scenario would be if if you had Christian here, Jordan here, Raul here, Alex here, everyone in the lineup, and they still weren't scoring goals like this, and then that would have to happen over a sustained sample size for for that to be a question in my mind. All right, we'll talk more about coaching here in a second with our first question, which comes from at two from the three sixty. First one goes off. I'm just going to read these all rapid fire succession. So okay. get get your notes app ready, Ari. Got it. One, where is Josh Atencio? Brackets from the starting 11. Two, when is the right time to relegate Nico to a super sub? And why is it not done to start the season? Three, how soon can we bring back Gonzalo Pineda? Four. <laughs> <laughs> is Ozzy Alonso looking for a coaching job? And five, why is Sam Adeniron not a sounder? These are this Sam Adeniron scored two goals last weekend. He did. Yeah, that's a great point. Uh, a brace for St. Louis City SC. So that was kind of insult to injury, I think, for Seattle people to see that. But yeah, thank you for the questions at two from the 360. I like that you submitted five. Uh, that's great. We like the enthusiasm. Josh Atencio. That's a good question. Josh Atencio was playing really well before he got injured. He scored a banger against St. Louis. It's not like anyone else on the team has been scoring lately. Uh, not that that's his job, really. But uh, but as of now, it seems like Obed has, has him topped on the depth chart. And in that situation, that's usually based on what's happening in training and what the coaches see and who they think should be starting. I kind of view Josh and Obed at a roughly similar spot in their development and what they bring. Um, I don't know how much of a difference there you get between one or the other. They're slightly different, but development wise and where they're at in their careers and what they bring, I see it as pretty similar, but if the team keeps struggling like this, you know, I wouldn't mind seeing a tense. You get a run. I I think he earned that based on how he was playing earlier in the season. Do you think that if he doesn't get a run, we're going to see him loaned out or or moved around, or do you think he's sticking with the team? I mean, it's possible. Like, if it gets to the offseason and uh, he's still not getting minutes, you know, he might he might want to go to somewhere where he's he's getting a bigger role. So, 
Um, that that's an interesting question for the off season that they're going to have to tackle. Um, as for Nico being a super sub and why was it not done to start the question, uh, start the season? Uh, that's a question people have been asking a lot too, but I mean, I can tell you the time is just not right now because you don't have the personnel. Like when you have all the guys that are gone back, then that actually becomes an actual good debate. Like is Nico in a first choice 11 when you have, Jordan and Christian back and uh, depending on how Rusnag looks at the 10 going forward here, maybe you have to keep him up there and Nico is a super sub, but right now you can't do that because they just don't have the bodies. So um, that's kind of how I see that. Uh, bringing back Gonzo Pineda, you know, maybe soon Atlanta United down bad, down bad, just lost four zero to the Red Bulls and they're having a pretty uh, erratic and bizarre year in general. I don't know if this is still the case, but uh, it was at least uh, in the last couple weeks that they were leading the league in both goals scored and goals conceded. Um, but their form overall has been erratic. And so I don't know if he's on the hot seat. I'm not as plugged into what's going on down there, but he might be. So bring him home. Hey, bring Gonzo <laughs> home. Uh, Someone did a chart that showed after the departure of Gonzo and who's Jimmy, the, Jimmy uh, Traore. Yeah, Traore that the just overall wins losses ties is is we're down we're in the mud yeah no i mean i don't i don't know how much of a real correlation that is but i saw that same stat ozzy alonzo looking for a coaching job i mean he's still playing for atlanta united but he might someday so i could see it uh and sam adeneron i mean look two goals for st louis city sc last night i mean that's as many goals as haber's got this season so <laughs> he never if, had a two goal game if, i'll tell you that much if if uh if sam adineron actually develops into a consistent mls goal scorer for st louis city like he's just banging goals in every week the takes are gonna be flying my they takes already, are already ready to be flying they already. already were flying after everyone saw that he scored two goals <laughs> he was oh god he he had like a really good header like just just a beastly striker header. And then I think they had him taking a penalty. Yeah. Yeah. They have him taking their PKs. Like slamming Sammy's on the up. He's yeah. him, bro. They should have kept him. him. Should have kept him. I All agree. Right. Next next question. This one comes from Oren Levine. Three main issues for me. You ready, Ari? Yeah. Here's the three. The playmaking 10 position. Two. Goalkeeper. Three. Backup wingers and strikers. Our starters at 10 and goalkeeper were elite. League got better and they got older. I would like thoughts focused on 2024, 2025, not changes now. Okay. Yeah. I'll talk about goalkeeper first because there's been uh, more talk than I expected about a Stefan Fry. That's dec- surprising decline. to me too. Yeah. You know, I might agree that there's been a few goals this year that have been shipped that maybe he should have saved. Or in past years, maybe he gets to it. I just don't see goalkeeping as the prevailing issue with this team. I, it's not really the defense in general. The defense has 10 clean sheets. Fry had a g- good game last night. I don't know. To my eye, I see him performing at pretty much the same level that he always does. Um, 2024 and 2025, I mean, yeah, these are the questions that are coming up. You know, you're going to have to talk about guys like Ladero and Rui Diaz and Hebert. Anyone who's in their 30s, there's going to come a point where this roster, there's there, that turnover is going to have to happen at some point. But, I mean, you can't blow it up and start over midseason. So, for right now, they 
there's nothing they can really do but roll with what they've got and hope that this personnel can turn it around. Um, and, you know, regarding number 10, I think we're about to find out a lot about that. Russ Nack's been getting his run. If he comes into his own and starts putting up numbers, you can ride that. Um, if he plays up there with the full complement of players and the offense still isn't producing, then you have to base how you approach it on that. It's just it's just stuff that is TBD. I will also note Seattle Sounders, 10 clean sheets, the most in MLS. I know it's a defensive role altogether, but like last night, Fry had some insane saves. He had some good saves. The defense has been, I think, the defense has been fine. You can point to two outlier games, uh, Portland away and Charlotte away, where it got away from him and they started shipping goals. And they've also shipped... They did this last year too. They've also they've shipped really poorly timed and just kind of like back breaking goals yeah. at extremely inopportune moments. But if you're just looking at like the pure volume of goals that they've conceded, like it hasn't it's not been a bad defense. Yeah, and I think you have a lot of players coming into their own as well where I mean Jackson Reagan's looking good. Yeah. Uh, Cody, the, Baker. Cody Baker, dude, I love Cody Baker. This is a Cody Baker podcast. It kind of is, man. It's starting to become that. He's like the he's like the ray of light right now. Yeah, which there you go. If you want thoughts focused on 2024, 2025, yeah. I mean, we have players like Cody Baker coming up through the pipeline that, I, listen, I don't know nothing about nothing, but if I'd put money on something, it would be that Cody Baker will be a very good player. So with that, Let's jump into our next question from Dave W. Montgomery. How would you fix our stale attack, especially when mixing guys like Raul, Jordan, and Christian? Should Sounders be on the lookout for younger forward as a second or third option? A Bear seems unlucky. Montero is looking a little old. And guys like Adeneron and AOC are long gone. Slam and Sam is like the main character. Slam and Sam, show. baby. Uh, and we got an AOC reference. Too, AOC, um, old man Montero, and unlucky a bear. <laughs> uh, I mean, I don't, I don't know how to fix the stale attack. I really don't. Uh, that's the number one question with this team right now. Is I don't think uh, Brian even knows. No, I mean that's what they're trying to figure out uh, with the absences they they've had. They haven't been able to figure that out. But if I had to boil it down to two things. I think it would be getting Rusnak cooking at the 10 and a bear needs to start scoring. Like if you get those two things going, that solves a lot of problems. A bear has been unlucky. I know people don't want to hear it. I honestly feel bad for the guy. Like he's not a bad player. He's been a productive goal scorer in MLS. He's just having a rough go right now. But I do think that there, there's a scenario where he gets in that NYCFC form He's shown in his career that he can do it, so I don't think it's just completely out of the question. I don't know if he will, but I don't think it's impossible. Freddie is a role player on this team, and it's it's not like you can realistically expect him to be carrying a big load. But but he shows yeah, up every once in a while. He, like shows, in the he scored game. in the Austin game, so that was the only goal they scored in that game. But yeah, Slam and Sam and AOC are gone. AOC hasn't been getting a first-team run with Austin yet, to my knowledge, but... <laughs> seeing Slam and Sam get two goals last night, I, I, that's one to keep an eye on. It was salt in the wounds. If he's good, people are going to be asking questions. They already are. So yeah. A Bear with another big chance missed last night, adding his total. 12 big chances missed. 
as the most unlucky player in MLS. Would, do, you, do you have where that ranks league-wide? Yeah, it's top. Number one, Number baby. one. Number one. Under him so, is 10. I mean... And like, then under that, eight. So he is far out ahead. I'm sorry, but like for anyone who is like doubting that he's been unlucky, that proves that he's been unlucky. But to that be proves fair, it, but Ari... He only has a four point seven conversion rate. So if we if we if we extrapolate out, we do a little. Oh, math now you're here. into the extrapolating we do a stats, stats here. You're doing. We look okay. at his X. I'm just kidding. Keep uh, going. Fire your. No, take. I mean I'm just I'm just saying like the the only the only thing to take away from that is that like theoretically with law of averages, if he keeps getting big chances at that rate, like statistically, some of them are going to start to go in, mm-hmm. like. That yeah. that's usually just how it works. Yeah. So uh it's it doesn't really fix or solve anything right now. It's, it shouldn't really make anybody feel any better. But to me, twelve big chances missed, I look at that and I think it's like it, it would kind of boggle my mind if that doesn't even out to some extent. Yeah. It's just law of averages at a certain point. Right. So I don't think he uh, scores the rest of the season personally. See, I I uh you could be right, but that would surprise me. That was especially because there's track record that you can look at. Like he he's been a good goal scorer in MLS. Strikers have runs of form where they're not finishing. It's not like he's not the first striker to go through it. Yeah, but I don't know. We'll, we'll we're just gonna have, we'll to, see gonna have that, to wait and see. Evens out. We'll see if we'll see whose scorcher is terrible, which yeah. it's most likely mine. But we know how that goes. Next up. Another one that's that's Nico related from Buck Russ one is Nico past expiration date. Yeah, I'm not ready to fully say that just yet. There, there's still a lot of games left, so narratives like this can always fluctuate. And another thing I I, w- I would think about with this is that if you think back to the start of the season when the team actually looked amazingly good for the first like five, six, seven games, whatever that was, I thought Nico was cooking. I thought he looked pretty much like his old self. The guy's still a freak in terms of his fitness uh, and just all the running he does. I don't. I don't think it doesn't look to me like he's lost much in terms of that fitness or physical ability. But at the same time, he doesn't have a primary assist since April. So one thing that's concerning is that with where they're at with personnel right now, they kind of needed vintage. 2016 level Nico to be carrying a lot of the offense and at 34 these last few weeks it hasn't panned out like that so I understand the question it's going to continue to be a question um but he is getting old though I mean yeah like the Timbers the Portland Timbers went through this with Diego Valeri where uh he he was staying productive into his mid-30s and then they had to they had to make that decision, and he became a a, a super sub, uh, and took like a backseat role until he ended up retiring. So that day is going to come. That's ba- that's another one where I feel like I've said this a few times, but that's yeah. another one where we're just gonna we're gonna find out uh, in in the weeks to come uh, because right now with Nico, there's there's two sides of it. There was the beginning of the season where he looked good and the offense looked great, and then there's been these last few weeks. Uh, where he hasn't been getting on the stat sheet and the offense hasn't looked good. So Yeah. I do want to loop back real quick to Oren's question here where he talks about focused on 2024, focused on 2025. Our in-house statistician, Colton Bittersnail, um, did let me know. Steph is going to be... He is 37. Yeah. He's going to be 38. Yeah. 
2024, 2025. There's, um, I mean, there's, that's for sure, uh, and he is that old, yeah. but uh, there's there's precedent for goalkeepers playing into their late thirties, and even like you see like forty year old goalkeepers sometimes. So sure. I don't know. But do you want that? Yeah, like I don't know if I would bank on that. Um, but I also I don't think it's out of the question that you could ride Steph for another year or two, assuming he keeps playing at a high level. It'll be interesting to see if they bring him back next year because you, you know you're right. He's going to be thirty eight next year. Um, that being said, like everything I've seen from Stephen Cleveland in the run that he's gotten, um, he looks like a good MLS goalkeeper to me. So if it came to it and, you know, maybe you want to bring Steph back, but he can't play every single game. Um, Steph Cleveland seems like a good goalkeeper or, you know, maybe, maybe you do have to make a change at that position. It's an off season question. Joseph Tanner has a question here. Actually, a few of them. We'll start with all three of them. Let's go. Number one, Rosnack's numbers are supposed to be great, but he doesn't seem to pass the, quote, eye test as a game-changing DP. Why is that? Um, so I'm assuming that you're talking about, uh, you're not talking about stat sheet numbers and you're talking about, like, underlying numbers. Like, I know his passing accuracy and his grades are all really high. Um I think a lot of what it is is what I was saying, which is that playing him back line, his role isn't really to be stuff in the stat sheet. It's when when you're playing CDM like that, it's more stuff like you know ball retention, progressive passes, uh, unleashing counters. He's good at that, and they won CCL with him doing that. Okay, but that's not his best role, and it's not the role that he thrived at at RSL. So, I think in terms of him having that game changing DP impact. I think the answer is playing him higher up the field, which is what they've done these last few games, and there's been mixed results. The offense scored three goals in Charlotte with him playing there and didn't score the next two, but in the Charlotte game, Christian and Raul were playing. So I really want to see him playing that advanced role with the full lineup. That's what I want to see, and I think in that scenario, we might see that he actually does have that type of ability. I think he's got to go up farther. Yeah, he's I mean, got to go up further. It was time. It was time. He's got. They didn't. I don't. I don't remember them saying that when they signed him. It was as a CDM. Like, that's, yeah, that's not like. His, it seemed like they just needed someone there, and they slotted him in, and that's kind of. It was a sign. It was a signing with an eye at CCL, and and they won it. Like you can't hate on it from that standpoint. That's kind of the trump card with the Rusnak signing. Like they won CCL with it, so it worked in that sense. Number two. From the same, Joseph Tanner. I'd hate to see them gone, but how quickly can we flip from Nico and Rui Diaz to some new talent? I mean, not till next season at the earliest. You can't do it this season. There is zero cap. There, the there's not a lot of roster flexibility right now. Like any anything that you any move you might want to see in season, in terms of like a big name signing or big addition, like they just they can't really do that right now. So it's a really, I mean, I know I've said it already, but it's, this is a role with what you got situation. I saw on Twitter, I don't know if this is, this is something that's possible, but taking Javi and putting him on the season ending injury list to free up some. Oh yeah. I saw, I saw that, that tweet too. Um, I, I'd have to look into that. I'm not, I'm not actually sure if you can do that. But hypothetically, let's say it does. 
if you can do that, I think that's I think that's a pretty sick idea. I yeah. mean, you know, depending on the extent of his injury, I guess, because like Javi is the third CB on this team, and it's not like you can play Jackson Reagan and Yamar every single game. Like it's important to have a third CB. So if it's just like a little muscle strain that he's gonna be back in a couple weeks, I probably wouldn't do that because He's got. He's still got value as a rotational piece, but if if it's a long term injury where he's out for the season, and you're allowed to do that, it's not a bad idea. Sweet. We'll have to see. Number three. Will the club cash in on Nuhu or let his moment pass? I mean, I got an answer for that one. But okay, I'll but let I, you go first. I mean, Nuhu's had hype around a potential sale for a long time, for years. For whatever reason, nothing ever popped. It seems like his value to Seattle is higher uh, to the Sounders than it is on the open market. So maybe they'll still move him at some point. Like he's playing at a high enough level where uh, maybe that interest is still there. I don't really know, but it it kind of feels like if it hasn't happened yet, like I don't know if it's going to happen. That's yeah. kind of how I see it. Do you see that differently? No, I we talked about it before, just shooting the shit. And if it hasn't happened now. It's not probably going to happen. Does he fit the system? No, it, it really makes no sense to have a wing back like New Who firing in crosses that will ultimately end up 17 yards from where he's trying to play them and shots that are a thousand feet over the crossbar. But he is so good at one-on-one defending. It's like, you, you, you're, you who are you going to replace him with? Last night, really, uh, like New is one is New Who's a guy who's who's taken a fair amount of heat this year. But I thought la- the the Orlando game that like that's like New Who at his best, and that's a demonstration of the value he he brings. You know, like he's he's a very very good one v one defender, very very good. So uh, there's a ton of value in that, even if he doesn't bring what you wish he did in attack for like the Sounders like their fullbacks to get forward in attack. And that's not really his game, but he, he brings a lot on defense. He's still, yes, does. there's no flipping him at this point. I think if it, I think his moment has came and passed the world cup happened him pocketing Mo Salah happened that. Yeah, that was his value was yeah. at an all time high. Then I don't really see them getting rid of him unless it's to another MLS team, but I could be wrong. Last question here comes from Kenny Sloth, 253. Yamar leads the league in interceptions and shutouts. Why isn't he also leading the defensive player of the year conversation? With his clear emphasis on improved passing, he's become a more dynamic piece, and I want to say better than Chad ever was, and in a more difficult league. Scorchers. That is hot. I like this one because that has some real heat to it. Better than Chad. I don't know if I can get, get on board with that. Chad's the best CB I've ever seen in MLS. He, do you want to do a little just Chad rem- reminiscing right Dude, now? Dude, let's reminisce. He, I he, love him. Chad never made a mistake. It was wild. He's the one CB I've ever watched, and I watched a lot of them. I watched every game that he played for the Sounders. Um, but you would have to rack his career film to find him fucking up one time. Yeah. He just never did. Uh you know, Yamar, Yamar is a great CB and he's having a really good year. But like you could go through his film and you could find plenty, plenty of hiccups that like you just never saw from Chad. Um, 
as for Yamar for uh, defensive player of the year, he might get some love for that. He's having a good year. I don't know if he's having like a hugely dominant year that's getting widespread national notoriety, but this defense has been really good and he's been the anchor of it. But you know, I might mess with a Jackson Reagan for defender of the year take more than that though. That's one that might get me going, but I, I, I love that question though, because it, uh, it, it gave an opportunity to reminisce on Chad, which that his, his era of defensive dominance on this team was just, it was unparalleled. He, he's like one of the rare CBs where it's like fun to watch him it's actively fun to watch him play defense because of just how perfectly executed every single thing he does was. Yeah, and you know what? You said that the league is more difficult now. That's true. I think you could still stick Chad in his prime in this current league, and yeah. he would be just as good as he was when he was playing. I mean, it's he was just that good of a player. The other thing is, too, is Chad was really, really... Uh, dominant on set pieces and like in the air and he scored a lot of goals yeah which uh yamar has a few goals jackson reagan hasn't scored one yet that that was like a whole new element though for chad's value it's like yeah. this guy you're telling me this guy is the best defender uh that's ever played in this league by a long shot and he's just a beast in the air and bangs in like five goals a year like that's crazy yeah Dude, dude, literally, he, he was him. Yeah. He was him. That's all the questions we got this week, Ari. Okay. Uh, nice. Well, thank you so much to everyone who replied to the tweet and submitted them. I know I didn't get to every single one of them, but we only had have so much time. Uh, a couple of you out there also got a little... Uh, there, there was a full-on dispute going on in my mentions oh boy. today. Uh People are getting a little rowdy and toxic with it, which, you know, I realize that's going to happen in my mentions from time to time. They're just it, lobbing scorchers at each other. Yeah, already. which is fair, you know, but uh, you know, it, you don't have to be super toxic in my mentions, I guess is all I'm saying. You know, you could scale it back a little Let bit. Let the girls fight. Come on. That's fine. Um, I think we can just about call it there, but I do have a couple quick hitters, Noah, Let's to, hear to close it out. I'm excited for this first one, okay? Oh, boy. Are you ready for the stupidest thing that you've ever heard uh, uh, yeah. in your life? I'm so ready. Okay, so CONCACAF uh, came out with the their disciplinary rulings for the fracas that yes. uh, the multiple... I'm sorry, it's, it's fracas. Sorry. <laughs> sorry, sorry, yeah. For the fracases that took place in the U.S. Uh, versus Mexico game that we talked about famously, did a whole episode on it. Correct. Um, and so they've issued multiple suspensions. So this is the first stupid thing. Weston McKinney and uh, Serginio Dest were both suspended on top of their red card suspension uh, for their roles in the fracas. Um <laughs> I think Des got two games and Weston McKinney got three games. So they have to they have to serve that on top of the one game that they already served in the final. All right. I, I just, before we get into the really stupid part, I just want to say Weston's red card was such bullshit to begin <laughs> with. Because yes, like his hands it's hands to the face, and that's supposed to be an auto red. But you can't do that, supposedly. But I could I could point to countless countless instances I've seen in CONCACAF matches where that happens 
and they don't call it a red card. And I know this because every time I'm watching, I go, yo, that's a red card. That is a red card. The hands were to the face. You have a rule on that. That guy should be out of the game based on the standard you've set. And they call it not even half the time. They just don't call it. Uh, and I could also name at least two situations where that happened to Weston. They put they put the hands to his face and there's no red card. So like there's just no consistency with how they enforce that. And then all of a sudden when Weston does it, now they're like, okay, that's for that's for sure a red card that time. So that's annoying to begin with. And then Dest, I don't really see what he did that was egregious more than a normal red card. Maybe they're just trying to put the hammer down because they don't want games getting out of control like that, which I get. But like, so that's not even the stupid part, Noah. That's not even the stupid <laughs> that's part. That's not it. <laughs> this is the stupid part. Um, so <laughs> Weston and Serginio Dess aren't on the roster for the Gold Cup. They weren't going to be on the team anyway. Yeah. But they're allowed to serve the suspension like for those Gold Cup games. Those, those ca- counts for like the suspension. So they they weren't playing them in them anyway. Fire. So they're like suspended. Fire. But they're not on the team. Yeah. So like that's not a suspension. Yeah. Like, no, what? no, that's yeah. That seems about right for CONCACAF. Like what are that's we doing? That's the most CONCACAF outcome I, mean, I think I, you can you have. You know, that wor- that works out for me because I didn't want them to be missing any games where they were on the roster, but it's like that's not putting your foot down because they're not, they weren't going to be playing in these games anyway. <laughs> I, I mean, I don't know. That's some elite I, finger wagging from CONCACAF right there. It's CONCACAF is just killing me sometimes with this stuff, man. Like why, why the extra suspension to begin with? And then how are you going to, uh, whatever it's, it's fine. The, the, the two Mexico guys that were involved got extra suspensions too. So yeah, maybe I think that, they should have suspended them all longer personally. Well, Okay. That's my other point is that if Weston gets three games for that, the guy who kicked Fuller and Balogun in the leg to set that whole thing off, he should get like 20 games. That's actually a dangerous play that could have injured fire, somebody. Fire. Yeah. That's my take on that. Take those heaters out. No, I just all want right. them all to be suspended like 20 games so, just to be, just so everyone yeah. in U.S. Men's National Team Twitter can have their brains melt. <laughs> Suspend them all. Suspend them who, all. Who cares? Suspend me too. Calf. All right. Suspend uh, this episode, Ari. Let's uh, I had I had main characters of the week. Real oh, let's quick. go. Right. No, don't unsuspend the episode. <laughs> let's go. Main characters of the week. I got uh, so I got one in a good way, one in a bad way. Uh, main character in a good way. DC United. 3-0 over FC Cincinnati. FC Ooh. Cincinnati has been on a record-breaking pace this season. They're on pace to break the points record. They'd only lost once all year. DCU boat raced him. FC Cincinnati, This they were in kind of a similar situation to Seattle. They had a bunch of starters out. Uh, but, like, they're still considered the best team in the league right now, at least, you know, points-wise. So, I even with the absences that they had, I was surprised to see him get boat raced like that. They looked like... Uh, you know, 2018 FC Cincinnati just shipping goals. Like, remember, remember that when the remember when they shipped yeah. like 74 in one season. I do, like, I do. The wooden spoons back to back were back to back to back. back to back to back. I have a lot of friends in Cincinnati who I felt for. I love that team, but well, it's good. Just, I, I'm happy that they're doing well now. Oh, I agree because they're a, they're uh, a likable team. They're a likable team, and um. It was tough because when they came into MLS, 
they had such great fan support. Like yeah. it looks like the environment. I haven't been yet. It's a stadium I need to go to, but the scene that they have at TQL looks like unreal. And it was just, it was tough to see like 30,000 people packed in there, bringing all this energy. And then they lose five zero. You're like, Oh gee, like you're going to like lose this interest. If you can't turn it around, they very much turned it around. So they kind of became the main character of this discussion, even though DC United's the one that beat them. But, um, main character in a bad way, Atlanta United, I'm four zero against the Red Bulls. So I saw that and I assumed they must have been in a situation like Cincy or like Seattle where, where they were in rotation mode. And then I looked at the lineups and it was pretty much all their guys. Like there there might have been one or two changes in the back line, but like as far like Tiago Amato was out there, Georgios, their uh their striker, he was out there. Um so like I I don't I don't know what's going on. Bring there. Gonzo like, home. Yeah, I mean like we talked about them already. They're having a weird season, but I I, I, I was surprised to see that one. They struggle on the road a lot. But damn, I don't know, 4-0? That's tough. You know, as tough as things have been for Seattle and as kind of meh as that Orlando game was, it's like, you know, they're not the main character. No one, no one's really talking about Seattle this week except for people in Seattle. But I think it's it, hard. There's a lot of fans who understandably see the rest of the league and see where teams are at. But frankly, Ari... We don't abide by the standards of average. We are the Seattle fucking Sounders, yeah. buddy. Okay, no. we demand excellence. That that's that's a fair point, but I'm talking more like national perception. So yeah, fair. like Atlanta four zero over Red Bulls or to the Red Bulls to the Red Bulls. Yeah, that, yeah. that caught my eye. All right, yep. I think we can call it right there. Thank you, everyone, as always, for tuning in. I'm gonna try and uh, change the speech up a little bit this week because Noah said I've been saying the same thing every time. So um, <laughs> I'm ready. This is a new one. I mean, not really. Just thank you all <laughs> so much for tuning in. We're are we close? We're closing in on on a thousand downloads overall, mm-hmm. right? And, yeah, yeah. And we get like something for that. So we're hoping that we crack that milestone. I get the love that- and affection of my parents. Finally. <laughs> <laughs> Finally. A thousand downloads would be huge. We're closing right in. Uh, I think we're going to get it this episode. Uh, keep subscribing. Tell your friends. Tell your parents. Rate five stars. Mm-hmm. Write us a Apple tell Podcast your bartender. review. Tell your bartender. Just tell everyone you know. Until next time, we out. Peace.